Good morning. Um, yeah, it's good to be here, good to share with you. I'm John, and uh, what can I say? I had a swim in the North Sea yesterday, uh, and uh, it was cold, <laughs> but it was warm uh, and very refreshing. And uh, I'm really, I had a great time of worship this morning because up until for the last couple of months, I've been, have one ear totally blocked up, so I can't hear my, couldn't hear myself singing, and I had it syringed on Monday, and it was like a miracle had happened, because suddenly I could hear, and it's so wonderful. So, um, yeah, that's good. Hearing is good. It's good to hear. Um, we're doing this curious series, and it's good to be curious. On Friday night, I sat in our garden and I watched a dragonfly and it flew backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and across and sometimes it would jerk up and down as it was catching insects. And it was fascinating and I was curious, just an amazing creature. And then, some, um, no, that was Friday evening. Saturday morning, I was in my study and looking out and there it was again, flying up and down. And I thought, wow, it's just... And it's, I just get curious, where is it going? What's it doing? And um, then I have a picture to show you. Now, do you see that little shiny, coppery, coppery-colored insect? It's not a good photograph of it. I don't know what it is, but it was in our garden, and it was glistening, it was like copper, shiny, shiny copper, as the sun shone on it. And it looked like a ladybird, but it wasn't. So if you can tell me what it is, I'm curious. I want to know. And Darren's not here this morning to tell me. And then another one, there, I mean, another picture, yes, um, that you'll recognize the HMRC building that's being built in, the, in town. And I just am curious about those two guys up on the top of that lift. How is that possible? <laughs> I wouldn't want to be up there. And then I was watching Mozart's great mass in C minor, which you all know off by heart, don't you? How on earth did he compose it? It was just so beautiful. And, and, and the words there, you know, thou that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. And I think there's 5,000 people there in the Royal Albert Hall. Did they realize what those words are all about? Amazing. Curious why they want to go and hear it if they're not Christians. But yeah, curiosity is good. I heard about the crew of a warship who were very curious about their captain because every morning before he started work, he would go down to his office and uh, he would unlock the a drawer in the desk and take out a metal box, which he would unlock and open and take out an envelope and he opened it and he would read what was on a little piece of paper in the envelope. Then he'd put it back in, lock it all up again and get on with his daily routine. And the crew were really curious to know what was going on. And uh, then one day, he was the captain was killed in action, and they thought, this is our opportunity. They got the key, they rushed down to the office, they opened the drawer, op got the box out, opened the metal box, got the piece of paper out and read it, and it said on it, port is left, starboard is right. <laughs> Curiosity. Um, it's good to be curious. It's, curiosity is one of the powerful drivers of science discovery. It's an in, innate desire to understand and explore the world around us. And when scientists are curious, then there's, it leads to lots of new discoveries, which in turn lead to more questions and, and more curiosity and more areas of exploration. 
And I was thinking the same thing could be said about being curious about Christ. And our theme today is uh, being curious about Christ. Some of you here today may be curious about Jesus and have started thinking and asking questions about him. Who is he? Does he care about me? What can he do for me? Will he help me get out of the mess I'm in? Well, I want to say to you, whoever you are, whatever your background, no matter what you have done, no matter how good or bad your life is today, Christ Jesus is interested in you. He loves you and wants to share his life with you. And it's good to be curious about him. We should be curious about Christ and want to know him. And all of us here, no matter how long you've been a Christian, we sang in that song, we are more than we've become. And then it says, now for repenting. You see, you may have come a long way. You're more than what you used to be. But don't stop there. There's always more. And maybe it begins with some repenting to move us on the next stage. I'm so thankful for the many people who from my early years stimulated me to be curious about Jesus. And I committed my life to Christ 58 years ago at the age of 14, and I've never regretted that decision. The, the, the mission in the church that I was in at that time over in Northern Ireland uh, had invited a major Alistair Smith to come and preach, and he was, he was a great preacher. And I discovered just recently that um, he led the, he was the prayer leader of the all-night prayer meetings when Billy Graham was here in, in London in the 1950s. And I thought, wow, I've got a link now that goes right back to Billy Graham. <laughs> I don't know whether it made me any better a preacher, but there you are. But, you know, he, his preaching touched my life and changed me. And there have been times, a few times, when I've selfishly strayed away from Jesus. But the powerful tug of his love has drawn me back again and again. And looking back through all the ups and downs of my life, um, I have so much thankfulness for his presence and his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his plans for my life, his guidance through those plans. It's been so thrilling, so challenging, so rewarding. And I, and I just love this wonderful Jesus that we know, my Savior and my Lord, my constant friend. Be curious about him. He's a wonderful person. Let's pray before we look at Scripture. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for being such a good friend to me and so gracious and so forgiving and so loving. And thank you you want to be that for everyone here. Help me to present this Jesus this morning as clearly and powerfully as Billy Graham, if, I, if you can do that. But Holy Spirit, I just ask you to open every ear to hear what you want to say to each one this morning. And may all the glory go to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled what I want to say to you, Seven Reasons to be Curious About Christ. Um, I haven't got much time, so I probably will only mention some of them as headings, but others, uh, there's two in particular I feel I want to, God wants me to concentrate on. 
And we'll begin by looking at John chapter 1. John was a, a disciple who was loved by Jesus and the closest to him. And in John 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My first point I, I want to call, Jesus is out of this world. You notice in this passage that John is talking here about Jesus, but notice that John doesn't begin with Jesus' birth. There's no stable, there's no angels, there's no wise men and all the Christmas stuff. He begins with Jesus' pre-existence. Twice he says the Word was there in the beginning. So this Word existed before time, before creation, before the beginning of everything. In other words, the Word is eternal. And then it says the Word is God. He, he was God. He is a person. That's Jesus. And then the Word who existed before time, who is God, who is a person, made absolutely everything, including that shiny ladybird thing in my garden. God made it. And that's something to be curious about. The Creator must be all-powerful. And that's wonderful news if he is a good person. He knows all about you and me. In fact, he must know us better than we know ourselves because he created us. And that's good news if he's a good person. But note first, this Jesus is out of this world. And then secondly, I've said Jesus demonstrates the good life. This is about his character, his teaching, and his works. And when we look at that, we discover he is a really good person. Um, John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Read the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus' words and teaching had a ring of truth about them, and his life demonstrated great grace. His perfect character, his incredible love, his truthfulness, his compassion and empathy, his obedience to his Father, his grace and forgiveness, his humility, his wisdom, and you could go on. This perfect character, we can trust him. And all that he did was good. He transforms lives for good. In Luke 19, we read the story of Zacchaeus. It says, he entered, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Zacchaeus was working for the Romans, the enemy of the Jews. He was hated as a traitor and he was corrupt. And it says, and he was seeking to see Jesus, or to see who Jesus was. There's the curiosity. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Now that's serious curiosity, isn't it? I mean, imagine when the Jews come along and see him up there. They were going to laugh at him and make fun of him. But not Jesus. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. 
Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. He knew where he was. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' life and into his house. He knew his needs. And it says that so Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I think there was real faith there in Zacchaeus. At that moment, he thought, this man is for me. And when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But that's Jesus. He's always going to places where sinners are. You'll find him there, which means he's not just in the church. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You see, Jesus transformed this character. We don't know what went on, if there's a larger conversation going on, but something about this wonderful Jesus caused Zacchaeus to immediately change his attitude and his character and to make amends for his sins. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. That's Jesus' life purpose, is to rescue lost people, those who are away from Jesus and away from God. And we could look at his healings. I love the story in, uh, in Matthew 8, 14 to 17. When Jesus entered Peter's house, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed, listen, healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Amazing. That was a prophecy, by the way, that was, what, 600 years before Jesus came. And someone has calculated that um, the chances of, of getting one prophecy right um, is something like 10 to the power of 17. If you have, you know, they say if you have... 10 to the power of 17 is a 10 with 17 zeros after it. If you have that number of one-point coins and cover the whole of the state of Texas and America, um, they'll be about four deep. And the chances of you going out there to pick up one coin that's got a cross on it are 10 to the power of 17. I think that's right. That's, you know, 10 with 17 knots. That's one in, yeah, you know what I mean. It's a miraculous because this is God. And, and Jesus did amazing miracles, turning water into wine, feeding 5,000 out of a picnic. He could calm a storm, walk on water, and so on. This life of Jesus was perfectly good, perfectly centered on doing good to people, people like you and me. He loves to do that. And even Pilate at Jesus' trial three times declared him not guilty. My third point. Christ offers a solution to sin and failure. This is where we come to the cross. And the cross is such a wonderful thing, such a horrific thing, but how God has transformed this awful crucifixion into something 
that's transformed the world ever since. Man's greatest need and God's greatest determination is to have man's relationship with God restored. Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's glory is just his amazing character. Everything about God's character is glorious. And that's what he calls us to be. To be like Jesus, to be like God. We like to compare ourselves with others. You know, we, we would like to say, well, I'm not a bank robber, I'm not a murderer, or rapist, or even we might compare ourselves with our neighbors and say, well, I don't behave like that, or I'm not as bad as them. Or We must compare ourselves with Jesus. His description of our condition is very accurate. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Um, we don't like that word sin. It's got that big I in the middle and really sin is about putting myself before God. Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a great Christian writer and a philosopher, he lived through the horror of two world wars and saw firsthand the brutality and the deprivation that occurred under dictators like uh, Stalin and so on. And he wrote, the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable reality, but at the same time the most intellectually resisted fact. He means that the sin nature of human beings is self-evident. You know it? I know it in my life. The pages of history are filled with the example after example of human cruelties ranging from hurtful words of a children's playground to the loss of thousands of people in terrorist attacks or through the brutality of evil dictators. It's still there in the world today, isn't it? Sin. Malcolm had been faithful to his wife his whole marriage, but he always had in his mind that he wanted to have an affair just to see what it was like. And he was in India and he was by himself and he saw his opportunity. He used to go for a swim every morning in the Ganges. And he saw a woman bathing by herself some distance away. And thinking that no one would ever know, he swam upstream towards this woman. And he wrote, and he wrote in his book, he said he, that he was struggling not just against the water, but against the current of his own conscience. Don't we all do that? And he was swimming underwater and he surfaced near the woman and what he saw gave him the shock of his lifetime. The woman had leprosy. Her nose was eaten away. There were sores and white blotches all over her skin and the end of her fingers were gone. She looked revolting, Muggeridge thought to himself. What a wretched woman is this, is what he thought. But at the same moment, he was overwhelmed by a devastating truth. He said, what a wretched man I am. It was not the woman who was wretched, it was his heart. Physical leprosy is crippling and terminal, but spiritual leprosy is deadly and eternal. When we walk away from God's commands, we walk right into disease, the disease of sin. And the teaching of the Bible is clear that our hearts are corrupt. 
Our minds are depraved and our desires are enslaved to the passions of sin. And Muggeridge knew the depths of his own sin and thus cherished the salvation secured for him on the cross. That's what makes the difference. Sin has consequences, separation from God. One day we will be all be subject to the judgment of God. Judgment of God is a good thing. You know, the Stalins are not here anymore and they didn't suffer the consequences of their evil. But one day they will be face to face with God. That's good. There will be justice, even though it's not in the world today. Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. But he added, the gift of God is eternal life. Christ's solution to sin is the cross of Calvary. That's the very heart of our Christian faith. God who made, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Hebrews 12, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand, the right hand of the throne of God. And I could read you from Romans 5, but, um, but again, it's God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's so wonderful, this perfectly good man, this sinless man, this wonderful, loving, caring, kind, compassionate Jesus, willingly, joyfully suffering the excruciating agony of being nailed to a wooden cross. And he did that for every single person. He has taken your punishment and mine. What a saviour. Let me ask you today, have you received his forgiveness? Are you sure? I still remember March the 25th, 1965, asking Jesus to forgive me my sins and the tears of joy that followed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I've had to go back to him lots of times since. But what a wonderful thing that Christ has a solution for sin. That's my third point. Fourth point, Christ calls us to a truly fulfilling purpose in life. Following Jesus is a life worth living. I can tell you that. I've lived it for 65 years. (gasps) Yes. No, 56 years, anyway. Yes, a long time. Uh, My mathematics is not any better. Point number five, Christ brings us into the family of God. That's wonderful. That's a good reason for being curious about Christ. You know, he brings us into this family of God. We become his sons and daughters, and we become a part of this wonderful thing called the church, which is not perfect. We we have been made righteous, but we still sin. Do you know what that means? Well, it means you've been made righteous. God sees you as he sees Jesus with the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been transferred into your life through the cross when you said, yeah, come Lord Jesus, forgive me. And church is not perfect yet. 
It's like a hospital. When you go to a hospital, you see people who are sick, some are recovering, and some won't make it. Where are you today? I love God's family, the church, and I could speak for a long time about the joy of being part of this family of God right from childhood. You know, the joy of Miss Glass, who encouraged me to read the Bible, of a school teacher, a school teacher who prayed for me every day I was in his class, and I met him at the Wimber Conference in 1984, I think it was. And uh, he said, you know, I prayed for every boy in my class, and I now am aware of almost 100 boys who've become Christians. Don't ignore the power of prayer. That's, God, that's God's heart. So I remember him. I can picture him teaching. He was a, wasn't a hopeless teacher, but he was. <laughs> yes, okay. He was a good teacher and he was a good prayer. And, and I can remember all these people. I remember, you know, Willie Wilson, who in, encouraged us in the Christian Endeavor movement, George Henderson and Mr. Allen, who took us down to their houses to, to do Bible studies. Just wonderful people. And the wonder, uh, yeah, I can go on talking about the church. I pastored for 37 years, which was just a family, a great family. And then coming here, what can I say about Life Vineyard? It's a brilliant place to be. And yeah, you people are just wonderful. And what a joy and love and support and encouragement I've received from you. And what a blessing it is to be a part of this family of God. Um, I want to go on uh, yeah. point six Christ offers hope in the face of death Christ offers hope in the face of death death seems to be constantly in the news doesn't it death and wars and fires and floods and famines and disease and plagues and so on I wonder how many times have you listened to the funeral words, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust? How dreadful they would be if they ended there, if they weren't followed by the words, ensure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Hallelujah. That's our hope. And sadly, at many funerals with that, those words are said, it's not happening for someone. Are you prepared for death? I know you're all, some of you are very young and you're not thinking about it, but you know, the statistics are not good. One in one die unless the Lord returns first. Statistics show that 90, in our nation today, 95, not 95, I think it's 59% of people in the United Kingdom are afraid of death. Have you put your faith in Jesus? He's the conqueror of death. I read three Easter greetings to one was, to the Christians, happy Easter. To the Jews, happy Passover. To the atheists, good luck. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, God took the apparent tragedy of death and turned it into triumph over sin and death and hell. In the resurrection, God shows his acceptance of Jesus' death for our sins that we can have our sins pardoned, that we can have peace with God and the promise of life together with Jesus forever. Read 1 Corinthians 15. We used to sing a song way back in the 80s. I remember singing at Spring Harvest, I get so excited, Lord. Do you remember that one? I get so excited, Lord, every time I realize I'm forgiven. Jesus, Lord, you've done it all. You've paid the price. I'm forgiven. 
Living in your presence, Lord, is life itself. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. With the past behind, grace for today, and a hope to come in the future, I'm forgiven. Do you know you're forgiven? Do you know you're forgiven? I was thinking about some of the people I ministered to. I better stop soon. Um, yeah. Funeral service I was at the crematorium and the minister said Clive didn't come to church but he was a good man and he was baptized and that's good but church attendance living a good life or baptism do not save us anyone can attend church no one lives a perfect life and baptism doesn't save a person from their sins And then I was called to a house where a man had died, George. And his wife answered the door. She said, I don't want to go up to his bedroom. You go. And I went up to the bedroom. And this man, George, he was a lovely, lovely old Christian. He had one foot out of the bed. And his finger was pointing ahead like that. And there was almost a smile on his face. I really believe he had seen Jesus and he was wanting to run. What a way to die. I think of old man Moore. I told you about him a few times ago. An old man in my church. And he used to sit in the seat behind us because we all had our set pews. And uh, he used to sing the old psalms with great gusto, but he couldn't read the words because he hadn't good eyesight. And if he couldn't remember the words, he sort of mmm along to the tune. Uh, but one day he went home from church. He sat down in a chair and he said, to his daughter, this is none other than the house of God, the very gates of heaven. And he died. What a way, what a wonderful, this is, this is our God. He has defeated death. We have nothing to be anxious or worried about. Romans 8, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Justify just means it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees you if you've come to Jesus. He sees you as if you'd never sinned. He sees you like Jesus. Who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, uh, and it goes on to say, no in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The resurrection means God has accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Forgiveness is guaranteed when we come to the cross and ask God's forgiveness. We are justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Death is defeated. We shall be with Christ in glory for all eternity. Satan has been defeated. We are more than conquerors now. We can now be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the very Spirit of Jesus empowering us to live as Jesus lived and to do the things that Jesus did. And point number seven, Christ is a friend who will always be there for you. I can tell you that. That's my story. He's always been there for me at some difficult times in my life. He's never let me down. His presence is there with me.
and we have the we are able to pray to this great Jesus. And he listens and answers prayer. And he's praying for us, as we read, at the right hand of the Father. There he is, interceding for us. That's why we can be curious about Jesus. And we need to be constantly curious. Keep on being curious about him and look at all these aspects that are there. The good life. The man who is out of this world, the solution to sin, the call to fulfilling purpose, the being part of the family of God, hope in the face of death, and the friend who never leaves us. I want to give time for a response this morning. Let's stand. And just, let's just be quiet for a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come and touch lives here this morning. Come with conviction. And Lord, we long to see revival in our nation, but it needs to begin in our church. And it needs to begin in each of our lives. And we need to acknowledge this morning the sin that's a barrier to all that God wants to do, even more than he's done before. We need to deal with our sin. Let me ask you, are you taking sin seriously? Some of you who are Christians, maybe you've become a bit complacent about sin, careless about how you live. Don't become lax. Sin in God's church is disastrous for the church and for the nation. Revival will come when we confess our sins and seek God again. So I just invite you in this moment of quiet to confess those sins that you know in your life that, you shouldn't, that shouldn't be there. Just ask this gracious Lord Jesus to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. Father, as you have heard the prayers of those who have prayed and, and want to be freed from sin, may they know right now in their hearts that you have forgiven them and released them from those sins and empower them by your Holy Spirit to live in victory in the name of Jesus. Can I just say that for some of you, it may be good for you to confess your sin to someone else. Maybe you're a good Christian friend. It's, that can be good. A man came to me and uh, he, he said to me after a meeting, he said, you know, I'm really struggling with pornography. And he shared it with me and I prayed with him. And oh, he said, is that it? And I said, yes, you've confessed it. 
I know. I know you now. And you know I know. And you know I'll ask you because I love you. I'll ask you the next time I meet you. And confession is a very powerful thing. You may want to do that. For some of you here this morning, you may never have invited Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you have heard about him. Maybe for the first time you've heard about how Jesus wants to give you life to the fullest and life for all eternity. And if you'd like to make that first step of opening the door of your heart to Jesus, then you can pray this prayer with me. It will come up on the screen. I'm just going to pray it quietly. And you pray it in your heart. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, that's the first step in a great adventure of faith that I hope for you will grow for a long, long time. And we'd love to help you make a start. And uh, there'll be people around who can, you can share afterwards. And we have a believers pack um, here, which you can have. And it's got New Testament in it, a little booklet, Why Jesus and other material that you may find really helpful. I was just going to say, there at the back on the table, there was a lady last week, as there are most weeks, a lady who um, prayed that prayer for the first time, and I phoned her later in the week just to talk to her about her decision, and she said, Nicola, I've, I've been reading the gospel, and I've downloaded the Bible in a year, and you know, it, it's just amazing, and I'm, we're going to be meeting to talk and pray some more, but yeah, just come, come to Jesus, he's here. And he's inviting you into relationship, into friendship, into forgiveness and into life, life to the full.